Hey! Let's talk about food and music, eating and grooving, munching and moving, forking and spooning, listening to tunes, yeah, dinner's on soon, and to get ready for, ready for, peanut butter and jams. And welcome to Peanut Butter and Jams. I am your host, Jordy, and with me as always, or at least as usual, mm-hmm. we, we try to make it always, is Brenda. Hello. And we have a special guest with us. Yeah, Abraham. Yeah. Ab- Abraham. I'm just going to stay for the introduction, folks. <laughs> Abraham, what did you have for breakfast? Oh, yeah, today uh, I, had, uh, I had a carrot and I had french fries. For breakfast? Yes. Is this what you do often? Uh, for the most part, for now. Just for now, not for tomorrow. That but, is... But for now. Possibly slightly healthier than what I had for breakfast, which was McDonald's. Oh, okay, you're my oh, biggest fan. Wow. <laughs> We're taking a nosedive here. Oh, yeah, yeah, this yeah. is quality, quality breakfast today. Healthy nosedive. This is just for the summertime. After once we once summertime is almost over, done. We're just down to like pretty much couple days and that's it then we go back to healthy stuff that's it like granola and yogurt yep that's what what i love is that what you had brenda no i had a hunk of bread and an apricot that sounds oh wow i don't know now i want to be you (laughs) (laughs) it's really really not healthy what what do we have on the show today brenda well we've got a lot of good stuff Tell us, what's those good stuff, Brenda? Well, we've got a interview with Marlis Funk and Kendra Lowen, a correspondent who went to a vodka tasting. That sounds fun. We also have a pre-recorded interview with Jordy and his girlfriend, Darcy, who went to the Tap and Grill. But her and Jam's correspondent and my girlfriend. <laughs> she's properly introduced. Properly introduced with her full title. Yeah. And then we're going to have a guest in around 6.30. His name is Ellen Tiar, and he's going to tell us about a campaign to revamp Vancouver's liquor licenses. Yes, he is a member of the Campaign for Culture, and uh, we'll talk about liquor licensing in BC, happy hours, that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, as always, we will be talking about some local music events, too, um, playing some music from... Uh, shows that are happening around town this weekend. Uh, there's a lot coming up. There's a lot coming up. Um, why don't we kick things off with a song by Weed? Enjoy, folks. I gotta go get.
And that was Love Cuts, who will be performing at the Victory Square Block Party. You are going to hear a lot of stuff from the Victory Square Block Party. Because it is the place to be on the weekend. It's the place to be every year. Every September long weekend. To, to I guess, mourn the passing of summer? I always mourn the passing of summer. Do you do it by going to Victory Square Block Party? Well, usually like I try and... Yes, I try and celebrate the end and look forward to new things, but deep down inside I'm depressed because summer is over. But Victory Square is a fantastic way to celebrate your long weekend. And I believe CITR will be broadcasting from it? We will be live broadcasting, so if you're stuck at work, or if you drive a cab, or if you're laying down some tile, then you can listen to CITR and be there over the airwaves. It'll be like being at the Victory Square Bach Party, but without all your friends. Yeah, except that Well, maybe people, you could bring them home to the, and listen to the radio together, though. Well, we'll all be narrating, so it'll be like your friends are there anyways. That's true. If you are our friends. Well. We're friendly. If you're our listeners, then you're our friends. Yeah, we're friends with all our listeners. Exactly. Call in and tell us which so songs you really are like. Only our friends. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have a piece on vodka. Brenda, do you, have, do you want to intro this piece at all? Sure. So Marlis won some tickets on Twitter to a vodka tasting at the Tea House at Stanley Park. And they're going to, uh, she brought along Kendra, peanut butter and jams correspondent, and they're going to tell us a bit about the things they tasted, the pairings mm-hmm. and the vodkas and a bit about vodka, what all right, vodka is well, all about. I, I like vodka, so let's learn about it. Yep. This is Brenda Gruno coming to you from the kitchen of Brenda Gruno, host of Peanut Butter and Jams on CITR 101.9 FM. I am here in my lovely kitchen with two Peanut Butter and Jams correspondents, Kendra Lowen. Hello. And Marlis Funk. Hello. And they recently went to a vodka tasting. Marlis, can you tell us how you got these tickets? Yes, I got these tickets from a contest put on by the Tea House in Stanley Park on Twitter. Brenda, are you on Twitter? No, I am not on Twitter. <laughs> well, you should be. You win tickets sometimes. <laughs> and then I brought the lovely Kendra with me, and we went to the tea house, and the tea house prepared the food pairings, and the an absolute vodka provided the drinks. It was lovely. Tell us about the tasting experience. Sure. There were um, four different kinds of vodka. So absolute, um, you know, infused with different kind of fruity flavors. And then each was turned into a cocktail, which was paired with um, a little nibble of food. So tell us about some of the highlights. Or lowlights. <laughs> <laughs> we started off with, uh, I think what was a nice little warm-up, but we discovered by the end that it was probably our least favorite. It was an absolute citron um, with a bit of tequila and honey and lemon which was very light and, in our opinion, a little too light. It wasn't very flavorful. But it was matched with a prawn, which was dipped in pesto and had a little balsamic reduction with watermelon on the side, which I think on its own was okay, but it just didn't flow very well with the drink. So at the time, we were like, all right, this is pretty good. And then by the end, we realized that was just the starter and it got better after that. I felt the balsamic was a little heavy considering how light the drink was and how fresh the watermelon was. I totally agree. Yes. You nailed it, Marla. Yes. And then we moved on to what became our favorite pairing. So it was an absolute mandarin 
The drink was called Orange Peel, and it included elderflower cordial, fresh-pressed apple juice, lemon and bitters and tonic water and they really had me at the fresh pressed apple juice <laughs> i love fresh pressed apple juice and it was paired with a salmon capers parmesan arugula on flatbread which was really good and it also had red onion and hard cheese kind of shaved yeah. on top oh, it was amazing it was really good and they went well together it was really a heavier drink um with that like the apple juice because it was fresh pressed, it was cloudy. There's little mandarins floating on the bottom, but it had a lot of flavor and it went really well with the salmon flatbread. We kind of noticed that probably why this was a good pairing was um, it's not like they were like matchy matchy, like it was the same flavor in the drink and and the food, but they just flowed nicely together. They didn't fight each other. Um, they were just like good flavors together. So that seemed like a win for them. Yes, the win-win. And it was good because that was actually like a big, the, the main meal, it was like a, a big flatbread that we shared, um, which is good because all the rest of them were kind of just little bites. Um, and we had five cocktails by the end. So it was good to kind of get an anchor in our stomach. <laughs> but it was enough food by the end. Oh, especially yeah. the flatbread was quite big. Yeah. And I love bitters. So that was definitely my favorite mm -hmm. cocktail. That was good. And this was sort of, it was followed with the Rapsolutely, which was absolute raspberry with simple syrup raspberries and fresh mint. Um, it looks really pretty. I have a, a photo of it that I really love on my blog, which has the raspberry floating on the mint. And um, though I felt it tasted a little bit like cough syrup, I think um, the raspberry just didn't really, it tasted a little bit too much like fake raspberry. To me, we needed more raspberry. Mm -hmm. So it was not as bad as cough syrup, definitely, <laughs> but it was not my favorite drink. And it was paired with the brie and ch uh, confit with cherry on toast, and um, which was a nice little tiny little bite, could have been a little bit bigger, and the bread got a little soggy, which was unfortunate. However, that little cherry on top was lovely. It matched well with a, it didn't stand out like the orange peel did. Yeah, but like the cough syrup aspect wasn't amazing. I like the pairing of, of raspberry and mint together in a drink. I think mm -hmm. they maybe could, could have pulled it off better. I'm not, I don't know what it was that, that made it taste off. Maybe it was yeah. the simple syrup, maybe? Yeah, yeah maybe what it is. Like simple syrup. Oh boy, if I'm wrong here, I'm going to have to Google <laughs> this after. I think you reduce sugar and water to make a syrup. You just boil it. So it's it. like liquid uh, sweetener. Yeah. I think well, it was too I think, sweet. I think they kind of blended one to the other. Okay. Yeah. Then next up we had... Absolute Grapevine is new for the line from Absolute, so they were sort of showcasing it. So he brought us a, an extra shot so we could taste it by itself because it uh, was a very nice bouquet in the flavor. It smelled really fantastic, but it's like shooting vodka. It's a little, um, always a little strong. It was strong. a little strong in the end, <laughs> yeah. You're like, whew, that was a full shot. But, of you know, we got what we asked for because we had commented to the guy for the first three cocktails that, we couldn't really taste the vodka, so it was hard to know, you know, as a vodka tasting, it was hard to have an opinion about their product. Yeah. So um, I'm pretty sure that it's because of that comment. Oh, that we got the shot? That we all got a shot. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, you know, it was, really we, nice. it was nice to taste it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and it smelled really nice. It smelled amazing. Yeah. yeah. It's just hard to, I like, if I'm going to drink straight up vodka, I do like mine chilled a little and a slight bit of water like I drink whiskey. Oh, yeah. So just to sort of... Um, allowed, yeah, and allowed the bouquet to come out a bit more. Just it's a little harsh to drink a shot, but it was a really nice way of them letting us taste what it actually like it's mm -hmm. on its own. Yeah, and then the drink they ended with uh, was a grapevine Collins, 
Um, and it was simple syrup, uh, absolute grapevine with simple syrup, lemon juice, soda water, and lemon wheel. So it was a lot like the first one, the absolute citron, but it was a little sweet with that uh, simple syrup again. I think that's our a little too sweet for our liking, mm-hmm. but... I think we both liked it better than the Absolute Citron starter. It came with a short rib slider with a pickle. And oh my goodness, the short rib slider was really good. And I really like pickles. So that was awesome. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, And that was also a nice pairing. Again, like it wasn't matchy-matchy, but um, the flavors went well together. Like the pickle is, you know, like really um, like tart and pickly, like a pickle is. And salty. And then the slider was also salty. Um... But milder, right? Like, um, and so the drink was just kind of like um, a smooth kind of balance to Mm -hmm. that, which was nice. I would rate mine at number one at the orange peel, uh, absolute mandarin matched with the salmon flatbread, and second it with the grapevine Collins matched with the slider. Yep. Yeah. I concur, Marlis. Yep. Those were good. And the other two were good, but they just didn't stand out like those other two pairings. Yep. So the absolute grapevine, that was uh, grape-flavored? It's grape and also papaya, I think. There's grape, papaya, and dragon fruit. And, so like, white they, green grapes. Which yeah. Is- so they were trying to be, you know, kind of interesting and exotic, I think. Their new uh, featured vodka that they're promoting now. Mm-hmm. So. so when I've made various liquor purchases and have actually decided to buy flavored hard liquors, I've usually regretted my choices. Yeah. Uh, would you recommend buying any of these flavored vodkas? Do you find they enhance the the drinks or that you would act, you would buy them and use them at home? What's your opinion on flavored well, it's vodka? It's funny because we opened up a bottle of non-flavored Absolute tonight to um, get the uh, you creative, know, juices creative flowing. juices flowing. And I don't have any uh, flavored vodka. Um, but I do think that there was one that you stood out a lot and you have it like if you like your gin and to- uh, vodka tonics with lemon and absolute citron would go really well with that mm-hmm. if that's a drink you drink a lot yeah if you're going to a party and you're going to be making a lot of martinis it's worth it a vanilla i enjoyed the vanilla vodka in the past to make mm. um sweeter cocktails like like ones with coffee liqueurs and uh i used to really like uh, Brandy Alexander's, and you could probably do a moderation with vanilla vodka with that. That would be really good. So I think there's some opportunity. I tend to think it's like an investment for your liquor cabinet, if we're <laughs> at the point of investing into your liquor cabinet, because you probably you might have it for a while. But the nice thing about it is you can stick it in the freezer, and it will be nice and chilled for whenever you do want to make one. So I personally don't really have any of those in my in my freezer right now, but. If I was making a couple cocktail, having a cocktail mm-hmm. night, and I could maybe base everything around lemon, I would buy a bottle of citron. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, you want to love what you're buying, so it's maybe you know dangerous to like splurge on a bottle of something you've never tried before. And I know that I don't love raspberry flavored things, so I wouldn't buy the raspberry one, but I might buy the grapevine one or the. Um, the lemon one, because they're they're pretty versatile, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're flavors that can you can pair with lots of other different things in a cocktail, and mm-hmm. it does enhance the flavor. I mean, um, it 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 definitely kind of pushes your palate in a certain direction if it's flavored. But you know, if you buy a plain, it's more versatile. So it kind of just depends on if you're in like the, the party kind of mode to try something new and and interesting, or if you want to stay with something that can go lots of different ways. And what did you learn about vodka at this tasting? 
Well, mm-hmm. I knew nothing about vodka, so it was all up from there. Um, so we learned that um, this particular vodka is grown entirely in Sweden. Mm-hmm. Um, they plant the wheat in the fall, and it kind of um, rests under the snow, and so apparently that creates more starch, which creates more sugar. So vodka made from winter wheat has a unique flavor. It's less floral than other vodkas, and he described it as kind of like like a bread and butter scotch rather than like a floral bouquet. So that's probably just, you know, personal preference. I know that I don't like other kinds of floral, like I don't like floral wine and, and that kind of thing. So this seems like it'd be right at my alley. Um, we learned about the essences that are put in. They're all sugar-free. This particular brand, does, they don't actually add sugar. Mm-hmm, um, which is nice. And then that would mean it's less than 40% too. So right. it's a nice low-calorie option, unless you add too much simple syrup. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're going to buy flavored drinks you want to check to see if they're adding like natural flavors or if it's artificial flavors and with vodka if if it's natural then the alcohol will be like greater than 40 percent so that's one way to know Mm -hmm. and we should note that the host of the evening was uh the absolute brand ambassador jacob sweetapple who gave us all this good knowledge Mm -hmm. so we appreciate all the knowledge we learned from him for this uh, for this vodka tasting conversation, you also made a, us a lovely cocktail tonight. Can you tell us a bit about your special drink mix? Yeah. Yes. So we took what we liked from um, the four cocktails that were provided at the tea house, um, and we looked in our cupboards, and we did not have the makings of our favorite cocktail. So Marlis grabbed a few things from her cupboard, and I grabbed a few things from my cupboard. And we made a drink that I like to call the Marlis. Marlis does not like to call it the Marlis, but um, that's what I wrote down. So I like to drink it. So it's a it's more closely based to the orange peel because we use the original Absolute vodka. We added a little bit of Ironworks cranberry liqueur instead of the cordial, and then we used mango tangerine juice instead of the apple juice as we did not have time to fresh press apple juice. We fresh squeezed some lemon, added some tonic water, and gave it a little shake. And it's lovely. Poured it over ice. It's really nice. Yeah, it's very good. I could Mm -hmm. use some salmon fat bread right now, but (laughs) we have a generous spread of green grapes and cheese in front of us to go with this. It's lovely, lovely. What do you think of your cocktail, Brenda? Mm -hmm. I'm really enjoying it. My glass was empty very quickly. (laughs) Yeah. It was down easy. Thank (laughs) you, Kendra and Marlis, Mm -hmm. for going on this adventure and reporting back to our listeners. You're welcome. You're welcome. Well, thanks again. We'll go back to the studio. On Saturday, September 8th, join Vancouver Co-op Radio at the Wise Hall for our 100.5 FM frequency change party. The Wise Hall and Lounge located at 1882 Adenac Street, has a vintage performance hall upstairs and a cozy lounge bar downstairs. This night of live music includes performances by Murray Porter, The O'Wells, and Jasper Sloan Yip. 2012 Juno Award winner Murray Porter tells the Aboriginal side of history with a mix of country, groovy blues rhythms, and humor. The O'Wells play a unique brand of energetic indie pop. They've been known to turn an apathetic concert goer into a regular 1930s swing kid. I spent all my sunny days. 
Jasper Sloan Yips Indie Folk Stylings tell the story of an introverted, existential East Vancouver musician. His tenor vibrato, breathless whisper, and soulful guitar exercise your heart and get your legs dancing. But wander these streets with my head in my hands. The Vancouver Co-op Radio 100.5 FM Frequency Change Party, Saturday, September 8th at the Wise Hall. For more information, please go to www.coopradio.org.
And we're back. You are listening to Peanut Butter and Jams on CITR 101.9 FM. That was the Ballantines off of their self-titled 7-inch. That song was called The Message. Uh, and they are also playing Victory Square Block Party on Sunday afternoon. That's right. Are they the headliners? I don't know the answer to that question. Uh, they're near the headliners, if they're not the actual headliners. Yeah, I think Korean Guts is on, too. Yeah, there's, there's uh, Korean Gut, uh, Love Cuts, we played a little bit earlier, uh, Mode Modern, Weed, uh, Too High Crew, um, Ballantines. There's other bands that I'm forgetting the names of right now. It's Oh, Indian Wars. It's going to be great. Um, if you are not doing anything on Sunday and you like music in Vancouver, you should go check it out. Um, joined us in studio is uh, Ellen Tayar. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Yeah, that's yeah. correct. From the Campaign for Culture. Um, after uh, after the we're going to have a, we're going to play an interview, but he's in the studio, and we're going to be interviewing he, him about liquor laws in the state of BC, the province of BC. But first, <laughs> but first, but first, we're going to play an interview with Darcy and myself and Jordy, in which we we have a discussion about a new bar. Um, downtown, or not downtown, down in the Olympic Village that you may have seen and wondered about or perhaps already been to um, called the Tap and Barrel. And here it is. Hi, this is Darcy, correspondent of Peanut Butter and Jams, and I'm sitting here with your host, Jordi Yao. Me. Yay. And today we are going to discuss a recent trip that we took to Tap and Barrel, yes. which is a new restaurant slash bar on uh, in False Creek in the Olympic Village. How did you feel about it? Um, I wasn't hugely impressed. You are hedging. I thought it was terrible. <laughs> I'm just trying to be polite. I did not think it was absolutely terrible, but I will say that I won't go back. Yes. Um, it has, let's start with what's good about it. Sure. It has a really, really awesome patio. Yes. The patio is stupendous. The patio and the location, I say, are at strong points. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, right in Olympic Village. It's the only bar or restaurant anywhere around there. Yeah, it's Unless right on you count Street. Tara Breads to be a restaurant, which is not. But that one kind of is. It's but. basically the only place around there, which is nice. So that location is definitely knocked down or locked down mm -hmm. as, you know, the place to go. And yeah, the actual place itself is huge. It can seat a lot of people and the patio is really nice. Yeah, on a nice sunny day, they're going to be they're going to get people no matter what. Yeah. But it shouldn't be you because the menu. Mm-hmm. Um, the menu seemed to suffer from the fact... Now, I don't know if this is how it was made, but it seems like it was made by someone who looked at every trendy food they could find and then put them all on, the, and they're like, let's make our menu all those trendy foods. Yeah. It had yam fries, it had thin crust pizza, it had um, uh, pulled pork. It um, had tacos, it had mac it and had cheese. It had tacos, poutine, poutine, mac and cheese. Um, and then, so they took all those things, and then they did them all poorly. Yeah. I mean, we can't say that they did them all poorly because, of course, we only had a few things on the menu. That's, well, we were with a large group, and we no one was very group. impressed with what they no got. No one was impressed with what they got. Um, so we can definitely say... Why don't you tell us what you got? I got say a how you didn't like pulled it. pork pizza. 
um, which sounded interesting. It was recommended by the waitress as one of their specialties. Mm-hmm. It had an egg on it, and it had onions on it, um, that, and it had some cheese on it. That was that was basically it. The, the crust was thin. They got that part right. Okay. Um, the toppings were... Somehow they managed to take all these things that have really strong flavors and only let you taste the egg, hmm. which they had cracked on like raw and then cooked it in the oven. Do you think that it was maybe a case it's, of over-preparing those things and then just assembly later and then putting the egg on last so that those things have lost flavor over time? It's possible. They might just have bad recipes for mm. like pulled pork or... Um, mm. Maybe they didn't put enough on, so you could really taste it strongly. Right. The onions really didn't show off very much. Um, and the egg was... I would be willing to try egg on pizza again, mm-hmm. but I don't think they did it right. Do you think that you would be willing to try an egg on another pulled pork pizza at another place? Or do you think that the pulled pork pizza is not right for an egg? Yeah, I, I think the pulled pork pizza might not be the right thing for an egg. But maybe, uh, I don't know, I, a lot of their menus seem to be pulled straight from other menus and then done poorly, so I think that might actually be a thing. But I, I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, what did you get? So I got the chicken BLTA burger. A is for avocado. A is for avocado. So it was a grilled another, chicken breast. Another trend, bacon and avocado together. Yeah, definitely. Um, so it was a chicken breast, um, pretty basic burger, uh, came with avocado, as we said, um, lettuce, tomato, and bacon. Um, so the thing that I didn't really like about my burger, and this may be totally subjective and just that I personally didn't like it, but it also came as that I just was not prepared for it, was that the bacon was not crispy bacon that I was expecting. I wanted that, you know, thin, crispy bacon mm-hmm. that you want when you're biting into or a burger. Even a fat, crispy bacon? Even a fat, crispy bacon. Just basically a bacon that I know. Mm-hmm. Well, it was definitely a stranger bacon. I didn't know this bacon. It was a big chunk of pork belly. It wasn't crunchy. It was chewy. It didn't really taste like bacon at all. It tasted like a cured part of the pork that was not at all resembling bacon. And this is my next complaint about the menu. It all cost way too much. It was very expensive. My Frankenstein of a burger was $16. And my pizza was also $16. Yeah, which, which is crazy If I wanted to spend that pizza. much on pizza, I would just go somewhere like Pizzeria Farina or Barbarella. i get pizza. Yeah, and get one large pizza that is amazing. Yeah. There are so many places that do thin crust pizza in town well now that mm-hmm. you do. There's shouldn't be going there for pizza. I had some friends of mine were there, got the burger. They said their burger was dry mm-hmm. and also thought it was too expensive. Mm-hmm. They they said they would prefer Romer's, mm-hmm. um, which I don't even. I'm not a big fan of Romer's, but it, I would admit it was better. Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds like from from talking to other people at our table and from what we have, I feel like they were trying to take these trendy items and maybe do something different with them or give their own signature to them. I don't them. think that's what they're doing at all. I think they're doing the opposite. But they just seem to still fail in whatever they were doing. I, I thought that they just took a whole bunch of things that were that were popular elsewhere and they were like, we need to do those here because they're popular in other places. Yeah, that's quite possible. 
Um, but yeah, ultimately, it was not very good. Let's move um, on to the beer menu. Okay. Actually, there was one other thing I wanted to say about okay. the menu was the uh, the thing that I think they do are trying to put their signature on is the poutine burger. Mm, is that a new thing? Yeah, I've never seen that before. That's the only place I can think I'm, of I'm that sure actually that's has that. Somewhere. I'm going to look it up on the internet. It's possible, but from what I know we're and gonna, from... We're going to take a three-second internet break. Okay. And I'm going to look it up. Okay. <laughs> and we're back. Um, so, To Dine For does it in Vancouver, and it's all over other places on the internet, which Darcy doesn't think is credible. The only thing I'm thinking is that every place that I've been to that is does poutines differently, is trying to do something different there, does try and do something different with burgers. I've never seen a poutine burger put together. At least never in Vancouver, ever. Okay, so, maybe it's not in Vancouver, but this is the, I'm not sure. saying that they just get their ideas from Vancouver. I was saying they're kind of like, I'm went saying, on Serious Eats. Yeah, no, that's fine. Saw, that's that's great. But what I'm there. saying is the way that they're trying to distinguish themselves from restaurants in Vancouver. So if they have a poutine burger and there's no other place that does that, then that very well might bring people in because they're like, oh, well, I've heard about the poutine burger. That's interesting. But um, personally, as a poutine connoisseur, I don't know if I like the idea of that. How did you like the poutine? The poutine was actually good. That, I can say, no issues. That was good. Um, was it like a fine workmanlike poutine, no problems? Or was it like, were they trying to show off with that too? No, they weren't trying to show off. The, it, it was great. It was just like, exactly. It was just like a basic poutine done really well. Like the cheese curds were good. The gravy was nice and thick and creamy, uh, very flavorful. And the fries were um, nice and uh, medium sized, good crispiness. Mm -hmm. Sog, flavor wise, they did a good job on that. Okay. Um, now, now can we talk about the, sure. the beer menu? Sure. Um, the beer menu, uh, they specialize in local food, um, which also makes me surprised that I'm slamming them because I really like places that support local food. Most of their food, they, they source it locally and they mm -hmm. get as much as possible. And they, I think they say that that's part of why the prices are up there. Um, and, and all their beer is sourced locally. Mm -hmm. They do, they had a fair amount of local beers mm -hmm. um, that you can find at most other places that do specialize in uh, beers. Mm -hmm. So they had stuff like Fortnite Parallel, um, Phillips. Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to list all of them, but like if you can think of a local brewery, like House Sound or Central City or any of those, they, mm -hmm. they have something from them. Mm -hmm. But they charge $7.50 for it. Yeah. Which is way more than other places do when they serve Especially the same for local beer. beers. Like, if you're paying $7.50, it's usually because they flew it in from somewhere Belgium like upstate New York or, or Belgium or something. Yeah. Um, or at least it's like a tiny, like, hard to find, like, Portland microbrew or something. Yeah. But this, it was all like beers that are like fairly easy to find in Vancouver. Also easy to find at a liquor store. Easy to find at a liquor store, in, in fact. And at Legacy Liquor with, with Store. A few, with, a few, right with a few exceptions, yeah. It is right next to Legacy Liquor Store, which would have almost everything they have there. Yeah. Um, for $2 a can. Yeah. Or $2 a bottle. Mm -hmm. um, and then, but they're charging so much for it that it just, I mean, it's nice to drink beer on a patio, but only at a certain price. Oh yeah, only yeah, not that much. Yeah, maybe maybe, maybe money is no object to you. In which case, if you just want to go for a beer, 
nothing wrong with going to Tap and Barrel with my no object to you. If you really want a great patio to sit on, if you maybe want to take your parents somewhere that they will know something on the menu and they'll be fine with, you know, it's it's a it's a good unoffensive inoffensive bar. So for you know those occasions where you want something like that, sit on a big patio, drink a beer. Mm-hmm eat a burger and you Show don't really care yeah then it's fine but it's maybe not your everyday or even your every week pub I would it would it would only be for like if a friend was having a birthday and I felt and there was a they were a close friend I'd yeah pop, by, pop in but otherwise I would not recommend going yeah be prepared to wait in line because yeah. a lot of people are really a, raring to get in there a lot of people are not taking our advice and love it. So yes, um, but there is a line. Make your own decision, and yeah. maybe you'll like it. And uh, no, I, you can trust us. Don't worry about it. Hey there, my name is Callum Ng, the executive director of BC Athlete Voice. We are an athlete-focused organization helping British Columbia's athletes become their best. How do we do that? Well, if you're a BC athlete, we can help you with pretty much everything related to leadership, advocacy, and education. For example, we can help you find funding, start a new athlete group, or develop better public speaking skills. It's all at bcathletevoice.ca. And don't forget to look for us on Twitter and Facebook by searching BC Athlete Voice. Check it out. And welcome back. You are listening to Peanut Butter and Jams on CITR 101.9 FM. And uh, with us, uh, with me and Brenda. Hello. Uh, is Ellen Tyar, of the, uh, the executive director of the Campaign for Culture. Thank you for having me. No problem. Um, the, tell us a little bit about the Campaign for Culture. Sure. So we, um, a few friends and I, uh, a few colleagues, we started this campaign uh, recently we worked on it over the summer, and we just launched it in August. Uh, we're looking to push for a holistic review of uh, our uh, liquor laws in BC, uh, laws and regulations in, in our province. Um, as you know, there's a lot of recent piecemeal changes, and most of the changes over time has been uh, slight adjustments to, to... By piecemeal changes, you're referring to um, stuff... Like, stuff like the corkage right. um, that the, recently, you know, stuff was with the Rio. Uh, the Rio is yeah. is another one. So the the politicians react to specific uh, concerns that you know a, a loud group of people have. And what we're pushing for is a holistic review because we see a lot of uh, different issues not being addressed and a lot of uh, issues missing that uh, special interest groups that uh, you know usually push for these changes and our first campaign is uh, about happy hours and that's something we we feel strongly that um, it is uh, a thing that definitely helps uh, our social fabric so looking at all the world-class cities and uh, all the other provinces in Canada which allow happy hours um, it's something that hasn't been a problem a social problem and and uh, if anything we we think that it helps the cultural fabric and um, so we're pushing for 
um, a holistic review from, uh, you know, looking mm -hmm. at things from all different angles. Right. Um, talking about happy hour, did you say that BC is the only province that is not allowed happy hour? It is currently the only province that is banning happy hours, yeah. Is there a reason? Like, what is the... Like, well, um, why is that? So, so last year, uh, I believe it was... Uh, MLA uh, Shirley Bond, who was in charge of the liquor at the time, um, released a statement saying that they're not uh, looking to allow happy hours because um, the the things they brought up uh, was uh, it encourages drunk driving and um, just rowdiness in, in general. And we've looked at studies that specifically look at those things, and that's definitely not an issue, and that hasn't been... Uh, um, there's no correlation between drunk driving and happy hours. So they, they have um, reasons that we believe are more dogmatic and we're looking for uh, a pragmatic approach to uh, our liquor laws. Mm -hmm. um, Brenda, did you have anything you wanted to ask him about? Yeah, so you mentioned that uh, each month there's a new topic for this campaign, sort of uh, ideas for people to wrap their heads around. And this, this month was happy hour. What's coming up next? Um, so we're... Yeah, we looked at this uh, multi-month uh, campaign, and obviously having the same message for you know five six months, mm -hmm. people get tired of it, and it doesn't draw attention. And it's um, just saying that we want to change uh, or improve our our liquor laws is a good concept. People don't necessarily um, feel that close to it. We we felt that bringing up certain issues um, that some groups uh, dealt with, you know, most groups dealt with. Uh, was the most effective way to do this campaign and raise awareness about the issues. Um, happy hours uh, was our first one. We felt it's a consumer issue. Mm -hmm. You know, the bars and restaurants, they don't necessarily care uh, as much about it. And, um, you know, consumers aren't necessarily as invested in, in mm -hmm. something like that to, to uh, fight for it. Um, the next one we're looking at is the... Uh, we'll launch it in a, in a week or so, is... Um, Probably special occasion licenses. I, mm -hmm. I know a lot of uh, nonprofits, cultural groups, and arts groups have a lot of issues with getting licenses, um, especially you know when, when you're doing street uh, events, etc. Um, and then over time, we'll be looking at different things. We're looking for input from the public, but we have some things in mind, and that I'm sure we'll be addressing over time. But um, so we haven't finalized the rest of the campaigns, but we're we're looking at. Um, the the biggest problems that we see with the liquor laws. Um, if someone uh, from the public was interested in getting in touch with you, how would they do that? Uh, they have. Just uh, go to our website. We have an email. It's uh, info at campaignforculture.ca. But through our website, there's uh, we have it. Uh, you know, we can follow us on Twitter, and you should, um, as well as Facebook. Uh, you know, if you support us, definitely make sure to like us on fa Facebook. It does make a difference. Um, but yeah, you can get in touch with us through those means. Mm -hmm. So how can people get involved or support your campaign um, other than just liking your social media? <laughs> yeah, it's it's a grassroots campaign. So a, a big part of it is really just uh, raising awareness about it. So talking to friends, family, uh, etc. Uh, there's always, you know, avenues with the politicians. So talking to your MLA is definitely helpful as well. Uh, we'll be um, pushing s uh, specific methods in the future once we have uh, a good critical mass of people uh, around the campaign. But um, so, so that's one aspect of it. 
Um, outside of that, we're, um, we are a grassroots organization. A lot of the things that we do uh, does cost money. So we're looking for, um, you know, if you're effective at fundraising, et cetera, uh, we're looking for those people as well. Um, but yeah, just anyone who's interested can be of help as, mm-hmm. as long as they contact us and um, we can, you know, let them know what, what our plans are and how they can do more. So the first step is to rally people around the idea Definitely. and then exert some pressure on politicians? Definitely. I mean, we have the uh, elections coming up in uh, next May, so it's a, it's a good time in BC to, uh, especially with the position of the current uh, party, uh, it's a good time to, to be politically active and mm-hmm. the politicians are at, really listening. Good time uh, to solicit empty promises. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's, it's a good time to get them to listen and I think that's, that's a part of it, but Raising awareness about this uh, campaign is is definitely the biggest uh, help we can get. Um, what sort of organizations are you working with? Like, do, do you, who do you, who would you count as your allies at this point? Um, we're we count uh, all British Columbians as potential allies. Um, so we have um, we have talked to a lot of organizations, uh, some involved in the liquor industry and specifically, but. Um, other arts organizations as well will be announcing, you know, official list of partners. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, so far, the the reception's been quite quite good. So, mm-hmm. and how did you get involved, or or how did this idea start? Sure. What provided the energy to actually, you know, get out of that bar seat and actually do something about this? Um, so, I guess uh, the reason we started this campaign is. Um, I was involved with the Student uh, Society UBC uh, last year and uh, in the past and, um, you know, was involved in dealing with some of the issues with liquor laws that we were having with the two, uh, two bars. Um, we started the, um, the microbrewery, uh, which is going to be in the new sub. And so we had to deal with a lot of that. So that provided a lot of frustration that is necessary for, uh, to get someone excited. Um, on top of that, we, we looked at the Rio issue in uh, early in January, and around February we started talking about it, the group of uh, the, the several individuals involved. And um, we, again, were kind of not happy with the direction that the changes were being pushed in. Um, it's good to see improvements, obviously, but... Um, the problem with piecemeal changes and you know one-off changes is that you don't look at the the problem from a holistic perspective and uh, look at all the other issues which might not be getting as much attention from special interest groups. So uh, we felt that there's a there's a need for a campaign. There's a need for change. Um, our our liquor laws are, are archaic, and uh, we felt that we had uh, enough uh, individuals who are capable of running a campaign to to actually start it. Okay. Um, do you want to take a break? We'll put some music on sure. for a second. Yeah. Um, this is Mode Modern off of their album Strange Bruises.
Sunday, Thursday night only, Thunderbird Radio Hell. Okay. Right, I guess. I didn't think I would bump into you in the street. No, um, usually on Thursday nights, I'm listening to Th- Thunderbird Radio Hell. So am I. Yeah, usually um, the radio has a show on at um, 9 p.m. to 11. 9 p.m. to 11 p.m., that's right. It's a pretty good show. Is uh, it the show with the live bands? Yeah, it sounds like there's talking between the band and the guy. Yeah, that guy. Interview with bands while they're still alive. I'll check it out. Live from Thunderbird Radio Hell on CITR 101.9 FM, Vancouver. Uh, Yes, Thunderbird Radio Hell will be on later tonight at uh, its usual time. Um, I should announce now that Stereoscopic Readout... uh, by uh, host, normally hosted by Darren is on hiatus. Yeah, um, his work schedule changed, so we'll need to find a new place for him on the dial. Um, yeah, so Darren will not be uh, coming on after us in the in the future unless his work changes back to uh, Thursday night opening for him. So, um, uh, if you are a fan of stereoscopic readout, uh, keep an eye on CITR's website, and eventually a new spot for him will be found. Mm-hmm. And soon we'll have new neighbors. Maybe Ellen's new show <laughs> will be after ours. <laughs> Are you doing a radio show? Yeah, we're starting one with a couple friends. Oh, cool. What's it going to be called? Um, House of Absinthe, I think, is a, is a current uh, idea. Yeah? We're still working on the name. Music show? Uh, <laughs> it's actually a, a, a music and uh, relationship show. So music relationship advice. Yeah. Oh. It's how this going relationships. <laughs> well, most songs, good or bad, are about well, love anyway, true, so... Yeah, if people call in, you say, listen to Martella Disco. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now uh, that we've put you on the spot about your proposed radio show, what are you going to put on the on the air, Jordy? Um, not, nothing right now. We're going to talk about the Stormcrow, which we okay. did talk about briefly last week. And uh, we just found out that Ellen was also just there on Tuesday, which um, I was there, but in a different part. I didn't notice him. Uh, <laughs> and Jordy's been there three times. I have been there wow. three times since it opened. Um, it's great. Um, but when we talked about it last, not last week, um, last show, two weeks ago, um, we spent a lot of time talking about what type of bar it is, and that it's kind of like a kind of a comfort foodie uh, Scott. It's got a good, a quality selection of beer, mm-hmm. and then it's like the decor is very um, nerd friendly. Yeah. Um, battle axes on the wall, uh, pic- signed pictures of Sarah Michelle Gellar, and, and Star nice Trek and models. Too. Sorry, it's nice and clean too. It's just it is different. Than very clean. It's not really divey or you know. yeah, big wood tables. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. We've got a new sign that's flat, like a flapping storm crow. Oh, um, like well, a flag. Not, not, it's not like. Not the wings are flapping, yeah. but like it's one of those loose medieval style signs that flaps in the wind. Um, but one thing we totally forgot to mention was that everything on their menu is six dollars, which um, is unusual. In in it, there's one other place that we thought of that does this, which is the Ooh, dime. just down the road too. Yeah, yeah, dime everything is five dollars. Yeah, the the portions are small, 
Yeah, they but are. It's six dollars, so you can get two if you're hungry, or one if you're not, which is nice because sometimes you don't want a full thing, but you do want a meal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And apparently, their beer is reasonably priced as well. Yeah, five seventy-five for everything. And someone told me that they're going to have a shot menu with twenty different shots, and then they're going to get a twenty-sided dice, and you can roll the shot dice. Really? But apparently, it's not ready yet. That sounds cool. I don't know what it would take to get a custom dice made. Maybe I should get one for other things. Not for shots? <laughs> no. For just your regular D&D nights? Maybe, no. Uh, <laughs> maybe uh, maybe for your liquor cabinet. Uh, yeah, I don't have 20 shot glasses, though. No. Well, it could be different types of drinks. Beer versus wine versus... Um, do, you, do you know what we haven't done yet? What we should do before our show runs out? Is our weekly pairing? Our weekly pairing. Yes. Um, every week we recommend an event that you should do and some uh, some food-related thing to do near it. Um, this week, I, w- the, I would recommend that you guys go to the Capital Six White Poppy Village show, which is happening at the Remington Gallery. It's tomorrow night. Where is the Remington Gallery? The Remington Gallery is on Hastings Street. If you look it up, it will. It is Googleable. Mm-hmm. Um, it will turn up. Um, the show is also on Facebook. If you are looking for the, inf- the all the details, um, and because of its location, um, it's not too far from a new restaurant that I haven't been to yet, but I do want to go to uh, called Wildebeest, mm-hmm. um, which has just opened up. And I would recommend that you try going to that. And what type of restaurant is it? It is a new kind. It's like a foodie restaurant that um, has. It has. Re- I don't. I don't know. I read about it on Scout, and it was very exciting. It sounded very exciting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, it has things such as it does like cooking from like head to tail, like all that, like the whole animal cooking. So you can get stuff like sweetbreads there. Um, they make meat butters out of some of the parts that are not the choicest cuts. Um, they have vegetarian options as well. Uh, you can see the menu on the Scout website if you uh, are interested in checking it out. So are you going to go to the restaurant before the show? Um, if I was not invited to a birthday, I would be going. Ah, uh, yes. This is what I would recommend doing. So if, if you... Not. Uh, if you listeners out there fancy yourselves as food reviewers, then you can call in. Tell us all about it. In two weeks, and tell us all about your experience at the Wildebeest. Or send us an email. Email is good, too. Yeah. Or Facebook. Or Facebook. We've got lots of ways to get in touch with us. (laughs) Um, Should we go into a song, maybe, from that show? Yeah, let's play some bands. Yeah, this is White Poppy off of their album, I Had a Dream, and this song is called In the Window.
Uh, that was uh, White Poppy. Uh, two songs off of their album, I Had a Dream. Um, the first was In the Window, and the second was Free. Um, if you are interested in going and seeing them, they're playing at the Remington Gallery tomorrow, and I would heartily recommend checking it out. Uh, Ellen is going to be leaving us, but uh, the Campaign for Culture uh, is going to keep going. <laughs> it is. Um, I guess, yeah, if, uh, our campaign is um, you, you know, trying to change the archaic um, Victorian and draconian liquor laws that we have in NBC, and we're calling for a a holistic uh, review of a, an overhaul of the whole system. So um, I, I feel like a lot of people would be in support of it. So if if you are, uh, definitely get in touch with us, and uh, we'll we'll let you know how you can get involved in the campaign. And uh, their their website is uh, campaign for change or sorry campaign for culture ca. Campaignforculture.ca. And uh, we've got a Korean Gut song coming up next. Korean Gut will be playing at the block party. But first, what did you have for breakfast, Alan? Oh, I almost forgot. <laughs> yeah, the breakfast question. Um, I had a uh, an apple, a mango, some grapes, and I believe a banana at the end. Was um, it a fruit salad? That's all I had a, in the fridge, so... <laughs> <laughs> I just had some fruit from yesterday, so I had the to eat those. But. Fruit cocktail. <laughs> Yeah, that's a very healthy compared to other people who ate at McDonald's. Mm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> some people. Some people. They had. I gotta put on this uh, song to change the topic. This is by Korean Gut, and it's called "Your Misery, Our Benefit." Wow, that's a nice title. <laughs>
the Storyboard Label, Scratch Records, CITR 101.9 FM, and Discord Magazine present a special evening with Joel, R.L. Phelps, Chris Brokaw, and Mira Lake. Come out to the Interurban Gallery on Friday, August 31st to hear the specific Northwest songwriters share their music. Tickets are $10 at Neptune, Red Cat, and Zulu Records. Throughout history, there have been many songs written about the Eternal Triangle. This next one tells the story of Mr. Grayston, a beautiful woman, and a condemned man named Tom Dooley. When the sun rises tomorrow, Tom Dooley must hang.
And we're back. Uh, you're listening to Peanut Butter and Jams. That was Indian Wars. Uh, that was that was from their band. Uh, it's on their Bandcamp. It's a song called Tom Dula. They recorded it um, for a compilation that I don't know if it's been released yet, uh, but it's called Cover an American Classic for Neil Young. Um, Indian Wars will be playing at the Victory Square Block Party. Ben Lai, will you be at the Victory Square Block yes, Party? Yes, I will. We'd be hard-pressed to find anyone at CITR who's not going. CITR will be abandoned that day. <laughs> Everyone will be at the block party. That's true. What's Sunday? Whatever. What else are you going to do <laughs> yeah. on a Sunday? Well, I guess um, the rocker show is on. Right. Yeah. You could listen to reggae. Yeah. Well, but, but it's going to get preempted? It's going to get preempted to listen to the block party. The live broadcast starts at 5.30. Oh, Okay. Yep. So the, the normal afternoon shows will still be happening. Yes. And so what you should do is eat at La Taqueria <laughs> or at Nuba mm. and then go to the Victory Square Block Party. So you know, the, the, it's not, remember the, the restaurant we talked about two weeks ago? The Acorn? No, the, the Brave Bowl. The, the Brave, Brave Bowl. Bowl. Yes. It's closing in two days. Let's oh, no. Yeah, September 2nd is the last day. Well, if you uh, <laughs> want to check out the Brave Bull, it's almost your last chance. Yeah. We did get a phone call last show, and she was very won. excited about trying the Brave Bull. Yeah, well, I hope she made it. Yeah. yeah. Or, ma- or hope she makes it And then call and report back. Okay, uh, so it's getting to the end of our show, and yeah. as we mentioned earlier, Darren will not be on tonight. Um, but no. stay tuned to the CITR website to figure out when his show will be airing in the future. Uh, he's had a work scheduling conflict and uh, needs to find a new time slot for his show. And thank you for listening to our booze-themed show. Yes, it was accidentally booze-themed. Um, With so- liquor licensing and vodka. We talk about Storm's Crow, Storm Crow and the Tap and Barrel. Yeah. Not the tap and grill. Not the tap and grill. Oops. <laughs> Fact check. Um, but, yes, uh, we're going to leave you with one more song. Uh, this is off, uh, This is Capital Six, off of their album Pretty Lost. And, and Capital Six will be playing... Tomorrow night. Tomorrow night. With White Poppy and Village but at the Remington Gallery, and you should check it out. But they're also playing Live at Lunch, which is a CITR AMS events concert series. They are? At noon. They are at noon during the first two weeks of September. So if you are close to campus or on, on campus, then every day, almost every day, except for Fridays, in the next two weeks, you can see a local band play at noon. If you're about to start school uh, on campus, make sure you stop by for... A band at noon. <laughs> yeah, everyone has to eat lunch, so all playing? you need to do is get food and sit on the grass. ESL is playing on the first day, which is the... Tuesday? The Tuesday. Tuesday. And Wednesday is Ruffled Feathers. Thursday is Hot Panda. And then the next week we've got our hip-hop group Heatwave, uh, The O'Wells, Shindig winners from two years ago, mm-hmm. Capital Six, and then Jay Arner. Cool. That's a pretty great lineup. If they were all playing one night, I would be there. Yeah. And uh, so Jordy will be eating his lunch at noon outside the north of the sub. Every every day. Every on, day. On campus. I do work on campus, so it's quite possible I will be. Um, anyhow, this is Capital Six, and uh, this song is called Beside the Fire. I'm pretty lost, like you. 
Singer, poet, songwriter, and activist Serge Tankian is coming to the Vogue Theatre. The System of a Down frontman's third solo album, Harakiri, explores a new musical territory and reaches into the hearts and minds of people to relay messages of love, awareness, and activism. Catch Serge Tankian at the Vogue Theatre on September 19th. Tickets are on sale now at Zulu Records, UnionEvents.com, and VogueTheatre.com. All ages are welcome. 